Good morning, Redding Family Church. Uh, my name is David Musimabale. For those of you that have not met me, I'm one of the pastors and elders in the church, and I'll be continuing our sermon series today on the book of Luke. And we're going to begin looking at the events that happened towards the crucifixion as we approach Easter in this season. We just want to reflect and see what the Lord is going to speak to us from, from this text. Our text this morning is going to be Luke 23 from verse 26 to 43. Luke 23, 26 to 43. As they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And as people stood by watching, the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for what we are receiving, the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What is crucifixion? Crucifixion is a method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed to a large wooden beam and left to hang perhaps for several days until eventual death by exhaustion or asphyxiation. It was used by by, by um, and it was used as, as a way of punishment by Roman soldiers during the, the Roman reign in Jesus' time. Now, before you're crucified, it starts with scourging. So you typically it's a, they scourge you with a whip, a lash, with multiple tongue, tongue type used to inflict severe corporal punishments. The, 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 the multiple tongues has, I mean, flesh-tearing bites because some of them have metal additions to the i mean like metal additions to the leather wipes so when when someone is given a whip of it 
it's it lacerates the flesh and blood gushes out and you know it's it's horrible so they make they whip you with that to make sure that before you get to when you finally will get to the cross you're already too tired so you just die you know so that by the time you get to the cross you don't spend long you just die so that's the beginning now before jesus was scorched he was chastised you know in luke 23 verse 16 it was talked about he was chastised so it was this scorch you know was scorched now before even that physical pain he was that was inflict, inflicted in his body earlier in chapter 22 verses i mean i mean and verses 40 40 downwards when he was faced with the garden of gethsemane in that place jesus went through a lot of emotional pain he was struggling with his flesh wanted to, to, I mean, his flesh didn't want to do it. His spirit wanted to do it. He was, he was struggling with the, the same kind of tension we go through when we, we struggle within pleasing God, doing God's will, or falling to the temptation or not falling to the temptation. Jesus went through all of that, but in higher level, because at this time it had to do with his own death. You know, we experience it at various levels and maybe not necessarily leading to physical deaths. Maybe at times, maybe. But the point is, Jesus has gone through it. We have a high priest. We do not have a high priest that is not touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus has gone through every form of emotional pain that you might be going through right now. He went through physical pain. He was even abandoned by his friends, his close disciples. They couldn't stay with him in the place of prayer. Have you ever been abandoned? You know the feeling? Have you ever been, you know, lied at? Jesus was accused wrongly. He faced all of these persecutions, you know, for what he did not do. He went through all kinds of pain. Now, typically, crucifixions are usually done outside the city. So they, you, they, the Roman soldiers ensure that you take a long walk with one of them with an inscription of what you've done wrong ahead of you, that you are carrying your cross for the sins that you've committed. Then, So just... The whole idea is to serve as a deterrent so that people don't go ahead to commit such a crime because if you do, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's usually a long walk before you get outside the city to where you're going to be crucified. So Jesus was going through a lot of physical pain, emotional pain, or maybe he had not slept, he was tired, going through a lot of verbal abuse, mental, you know, physical abuse, all the types of abuse you can think of. He went through it. And that's where we meet this text. I mean, that's where we get to in our text in verse 26. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. As Jesus was being led away, a man called Simon was coming from the countryside the soldier seized him and put him, put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. You know, this guy, Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene is a city in, in the northern part of Africa, I think Libya. So he came 800 miles from, from Libya in Africa to Jerusalem, maybe for to be part of this, this celebration in the season. Maybe as a, just a foreigner to just come and see what is happening. But this guy coming in to Jerusalem was hijacked by the Roman soldiers to carry Jesus' cross. Now, 
I'm not so sure whether Simon, when he left his house that morning, thought that this was going to be his faith. He never bargained for this. But somehow, somebody that is 800 miles away, a foreigner, not a Jew, you know, he had nothing, maybe he didn't know anything about who Jesus was. He had his own agenda for that day, was construed into God's big story by the Roman soldiers. Oftentimes, all through scriptures, we see God knows how to use institutions, living things, non-living things to fulfill his purpose. He's that big and sovereign. God wanted this guy, this Simon, to be part of his story. Because if you read later, I think in, in, the, books of, um, in the books of Mark 15, 21, in Romans 16, 13, this guy eventually became a follower of Jesus. Simon of Cyrene is a symbol of those in the fringes. He's a, he's, a, he's a type, he's a symbol of you and I. We were in the fringes, we're foreigners, we're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, we're not Jews. We had no access to this, to this story of salvation, but God brought us in through various circumstances. Look at the way you've been saved. Look at the friends God used. Look at the circumstances he used. You, the radio, you turn to the radio. You turn a TV program. Somebody invited you. You just found a program. You, some of us have amazing stories of how we got into God's story. And I feel this morning God wants to bring somebody watching into the story of salvation. Just like he brought Simon into the story. He didn't plan for You might not have planned to make a commitment for Jesus today. You just decided to just look, tune in. Let's see what they have to say. But I have good news for you. Jesus is calling you. Jesus wants you. He wants you to come in, just like Simon did. Simon did. He came in and became a follower of Jesus eventually, as later Bible verses suggest to us. God is always after those in the margins. We're going to be looking at, as I continue, I've started that already, the, the people Jesus encountered on, on, on his way to the cross and when he was going to die. The first is Simon of Cyrene, amongst the crowd. Obviously, there was crowd. The next are the daughters of Jerusalem. The daughters of Jerusalem were weeping for Jesus because they, they told, I mean, Jesus told them, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. Even in moments of intense pain, Jesus wasn't concerned about himself. He was more concerned about the weeping women. Jesus was shifting their attention back to themselves. It said it is, it is we that need a savior and not the savior who needed to be crucified for our salvation. As brutal as Jesus' crucifixion was, we need not to weep over his crucifixion, but weep over our transgression. For our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. It is our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. Jesus told them not to weep for him, but weep for themselves. Because in 40 years' time, Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed by the Romans, and which was also a, a, it had a future element of the final judgment that is going to come at the end of time. But Jesus like saying, don't weep for me, you have bigger problems coming. Rather, weep for your own transgression. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, to weep over a dying Savior is to lament the remedy. It's wise wiser to bewail the disease. 
Jesus is the, is the cure, is the, is the remedy. So it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense weeping for him. Rather, we should weep for our own transgressions. And let that reap, reap, I mean, I mean, weeping lead us to repentance, to come to the place where we need Jesus. And can I announce to you, it might be like, the Simon, like Simon, you might not plan for it. It might change. You might not, it might not be in your agenda. It might look like it's a disruption to your plan. But I can assure you, it's going to do you good. It's going to transform your life. It's going to revolutionize it. That's been the story of many of us that encountered Jesus, like this Simon. Can I encourage you to make a decision to follow Jesus? Before I leave this character, the, and to the, I mean, I, I need to make a comment on the earlier point on, on, on Simon. The Bible says in verses 26, The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. He carried the cross behind Jesus, not before him, not in front of him, but behind him. We are to follow Jesus. I love the way um, in Matthew 16, 24 puts it. He said, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You can't follow someone if you are ahead of the person. You can only follow when you are behind. Our making is in following Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you. As we come towards Easter, how are you following him? The answer to rest is in following Jesus. What area of your lives have you surrendered to him? If, you, if you're here this morning, you have not, maybe you check, if you take a look, honest assessment, am I really following in this area? If you follow him, he's going to give you rest. The problem might not go away, but he's going to help you through it. Honestly, he will give you rest. I can guarantee you that. If you follow him, let the focus be him. And not you expecting him to follow you. If you follow him, he will make you. And that was what Simon did. When the daughters of Jerusalem wept, they wept. Jesus said, do not weep. Do not weep. To weep over a dying Savior is to lament the remedy. It were wiser to bewail the disease. You know, let's decide to follow Jesus. It's our transgression that made him to be crucified. So let's weep over our transgression rather than weeping over the crucifixion. Yes, it makes us sober, but what should make you more sober should be our transgression, the sins that I've committed that warranted, that made the Savior who was innocent to die on the cross. That is what should make us sober. Verses 29, it says, For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate, blessed are, are the women who are childless, the barren, the woman who have not born child, and the breast that have not nursed the child. Under the context of this, was Jesus was trying to say a time will come when Jerusalem will eventually be destroyed, that those that, are, that have children will wish they didn't have children because it would be better to survive without having children. That's the context. But as I was preparing for this sermon, I just felt God say to me to just encourage someone that is barren. If you're barren this morning, I just feel God wants to tell you you're blessed. He wants to pronounce his blessing over you. As a servant, I stand here to pronounce God's blessing over you concerning that barrenness. It might be spiritual barrenness, if you don't know Jesus, there's just that dryness, you know, that's longing, emptiness. Jesus wants to fill you. Make a decision today 
to respond like Simon. Make a decision. He's using this preach to get your attention. Make a decision to make a commitment for him. Uh, now, as I begin to round up, another character, I mean, people that Jesus met were two criminals. You know, two criminals. And they were crucified with Jesus. And it's, it's very telling, you know, the, the crucifixion account from Genesis, I mean, Luke 23, 32 to 38. Yeah, I saw this article when I was preparing for this sermon. It really blessed me about Jesus' crucifixion. I just try to imagine it as I describe it. When the nail was driven through the wrists, it severed the large median nerve. This simulated now produced excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both arms. And often he gave the victim a claw-like grip in his hands, in their hands. Beyond the extreme pain, the major effect of crucifixion was to restrict normal breathing. Because you're crucified, you can't breathe normally. The weight of the body is pulling down on the arms and shoulders, tendered to the fixed respiratory muscles in an inhalation state. And this makes exhaling, you know, breathing out very difficult. The lack of adequate respiration results in severe cramps, which further hinders breathing. So to get a good breath, the victim has to push against the feet and flex the elbows, pulling from the shoulder, putting the weight on the of the body on the feet produced a searing pain. And flexing of the elbows twisted the hands hanging on the nails. Lifting the body for a breath also painfully scrapped the back against the rough wooden post. Each effort to get a proper breath was agonizing, excruciating, exhausting, and lead, led to a sooner death. This was what Jesus was going through on the cross. Not co another common thing is insects would come to come and suck, you know, eating the blood, the flesh, you know, oftentimes to open wounds, you know, nose, you know, dying, helpless big birds are praying, you know, wanting, praying around the sides. Death from crucifixion would come from many sources, acute shock from blood loss being too exhausted to breathe any longer, dehydration, stress-induced heart attack, or congestive heart failure, leading to a cardiac rupture. So many. So it's, it's the worst type of death, and that was what Jesus went through on the cross for you and for me. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and you know, the, the most significant thing about Jesus' suffering was that he was not in any sense the victim of circumstances. He was in control. Jesus was in control. Jesus was not a victim of circumstances. He was in control. Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay down by myself. It's, it's, it's incredible. It is, it is terrible to be forced. I love this is what David Guzik said. He said, it is terrible to be forced to endure such torture. But to freely choose it out of love is remarkable. I'll say it again. It is terrible to be forced to endure such a torture that Jesus experienced. But to freely choose it out of love is remarkable. That's what Jesus did on this season. He went through all those pains for your sin, for my sin. The best 
response will be for you to make a commitment to follow him. The two criminals, one was mocking him and the other chastising him. Why are you mocking? This is an innocent man. And he said, Jesus, I believe you. And Jesus told him that if you believe me today, you'll be with me in paradise. He believed Jesus. Jesus' response, even while he was on the cross, he was still saving because that was the purpose where he came. And that's a very fundamental principle as, we, as I round up with the applications. Jesus was on the cross. Two criminals, one told him, Jesus, I believe you. Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. The other criminal protested, verses 40. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. This is a key message of the gospel. This guy has not done any good deed. He has not done any good works. He just believed in the person of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And Jesus said he will be with him in par paradigms. It's representing heaven. He's going to be with him in heaven. I love many years ago when I had a, a definition of religion that I like. So religion is man's effort towards reaching God. So somebody comes, oh, this is the way to get to God. Some people come, this is the way to get to God. You know, religion is man's effort, you know, because there's something in man that wants to reach God. So someone comes, this is the way, forms a religion to get to God. But the Christian faith is God's way to reach to us. Because that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. Jesus is the way. Most religions said, this is the way, this is the way. But Jesus said, don't look for any other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. So our salvation in the Christian faith is by accepting the person of Jesus, not necessarily the good works we do. Ephesians 2.8. Thank you, Jesus. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It's, we didn't work for it just like the criminal, the other criminal by the side of Jesus. He, he, his works was to condemn him. That was why he was crucified. But he's, by believing in the person of Jesus, he was saved without doing any good works. So good works comes as a response of our obedience and our love for Jesus. So can I encourage you this morning to, to just check, don't get into the trap of thinking that you are saved by your works. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace. That's why it's called unmerited favor. We did not work for it. We can't take credit for it. As we come to us Easter this season, let's just this truth stay afresh in your spirit and revive you again. That it's not your works that's going to save you. It's Jesus. Because our works is as filthy rags in the first place. But while he, where does the good work come in? After we accept salvation by the free gift of Christ, by his death and resurrection on the cross, the good works is our response. Oh, Father, it's a response of love. Like, oh, Lord, thank you for what you've done. 
I love you so much. I'm not going to do that. Not because it's what, that's what saves me, but because I love what you did by saving me. So I'm not going to hurt you by doing that. And you know the beauty, the Holy Spirit helps us in the process. That's why it's called the comforter, the helper. He helps us to live the victorious Christian life. That's the gospel, and that's why we call it the good news. As we reflect in this Easter, just check. Don't fall into the trap of thinking it's your works that gets you saved. But at the same time, we can't continue in sin that grace may abound. I'll, uh, I'll just um, round up with a couple of applications. Just run through them because time is long gone. No matter the pain you're currently going through, Jesus can relate because he went through similar pains. And an even more brutal one. His death on the cross came to address the pains. Accept his offer for salvation. And, his, and you experience the freedom that he brings. It's a he that the Son sets free. is free indeed. Jesus is always drawn to those in the margins. He looked down at those who have no voice. Whether you're Simon from Cyrene, or, or you're like the daughters of Jerusalem, or like the criminals on the cross, all these people represent us. We were not qualified. We were far. We were not valued. We are not part of the elite. We are not part of the commonwealth of Israel. We were seen as needing a savior. And Jesus saved us. Take up your cross and follow him. That's the third point. Take up your cross on a daily basis and follow him. I explained that earlier by literally applying yourself to, to, to a life of obedience to his words. And the last point, salvation is by grace. It's not by works. Never forget that. Never forget that salvation is by grace and not by works. We're going to pray. I'll just say a short prayer. If you want to make a response to following Jesus today, can you click the button and, and someone is going to attend to you and you can say these words of faith with me as I, as I round up the fridge. Lord Jesus, I accept you today. Say these words after me. Lord Jesus, I accept you today into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sins. I, I accept you that you died on the cross to save me. Wash me, forgive me, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I want to follow you from now onwards. I want to stop following my own ways. I want to trust you with my life. I want you to make me. I want to follow you, Jesus, forgive me. And help me to lead a victorious Christian life by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.